Right, the first thing we'll do is uh, we're going to see a video. It lasts about four minutes. Uh, this is the International uh, Day of Prayer for Persecuted Believers. Uh, this video uh, deals with the country of Pakistan. Uh, now, if you all have been here and you have seen me try to show a video, you'll know as soon as I get up there, it's not going to work. I have to reset it. Just be patient with me until I get it going. Hallelujah, Today in Pakistan, we Christians are second-class citizens. Though we have committed no crime, we are ostracized and banished to the lowest place in society. Often we are forced to leave our villages and our own homes. We cannot get good jobs. And we have no voice in government. What is left for us is servitude. Sewage work. And we know we will never advance. We have a church, a place where Christians come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to sing His praise, to study His word. For while our country has turned its back on us, God has not. 
Sometimes it is not easy. The loss, the injustice. So please remember to pray for us. That we will continue to live together in fellowship. That we will continue to see the joy of the Lord in our lives. And that we will persevere in our faith no matter the cost. And please remember, we are praying for you. chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to uh, cover praying for the persecuted. Um, before we read the passage, though, let me tell you of Andronicus, who was a citizen of Rome in 303 AD, shortly before Christianity was legalized in 313 AD. He had been thrown into prison because of his unwillingness to deny his faith. He was whipped. His uh, wounds were rubbed with salt. He was brought forth out of prison, tortured again, thrown to wild animals, and finally killed with a sword. This is what he said before all that began. He says, do it do your worst, for I am, I am a Christian. Christ is my help and supporter, and thus armed, I will never serve your gods, nor do I fear your authority or that of your master, the emperor. Commence your torments as soon as you please, and make use of every means that your malignity can invent. And you shall find in the end that I am not to be shaken for my resolution. And, and he wasn't. Uh, he died uh, a martyr. He stood fast for his faith until the end. Uh, they've set aside today, November 4th, as the International Day of Prayer for persecuted believers. And it's, 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 it's hard to believe, really, that, you know, especially from, from North America, uh, that there would be persecution today in, in, in this time. But, uh, in fact, we're, we're close to... Uh, at least in the 20th century, close to 100 million martyrs for their faith. Uh, the numbers are still growing for this present century. Uh, more were martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ in the 20th century than in all 19 centuries combined. More people have died in circumstances related to their faith in the 20th century than, uh, than, in, than in all... Um, More than 160, it's estimated, 160,000 believers were martyred in 1996. Countless were subjected to unimaginable horrors. According to a study done by Regent University in Vancouver, 164,000 Christians were martyred uh, in 1999. 
and according to the voice of the martyrs, which is where this video comes from, uh, in, in the year 2000, at, at that time, 425 Christians a day are losing their life for their faith. The number is increasing as we go through the 21st century. In Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to 37 we're going to spend a little time with this, looking at how this applies to us uh, praying for those who, who are suffering. Uh, Paul is asking a question, several questions, it's kind of rhetorical in nature, but not, uh, not really. It says in verse, verse 35 of Romans chapter 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? The answer is no. Or distress? The answer is no. Or persecution? And the answer is no. Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? And the answer again is no. Verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Paul made up that word. It didn't exist until this time. Uh, they are more than, greater than, they are extreme, they are mega conquerors through him, through Christ, that loved us, Paul says. Now, we can see that persecution is not new. Over the years, many godly men and women have died for their faith, specifically in Jesus Christ. And since the time of Christ, uh, you know, they, they've, you know, Christians have been tortured, they've been put to death because of their beliefs, because of, their, of, of, of them hanging on to their Savior. And, and many died with a surprising, um, a surprising peace about it, a surprising uh, serenity. Ignatius was a disciple of John, and he was uh, thrown to wild animals and just eaten alive in Rome in 111 AD. He said this, he says, My dear Jesus, my Savior, is so deeply written on my heart that I feel confident that if my heart were to be cut open and chopped into pieces, that, my, that, that the name of Jesus would be found on every single piece. See, the, the, the confidence they had, it's impressive. Justin, who became known as Justin Martyr, uh, he was killed in Rome in 165 AD. He says, you can kill us, but you cannot do us any real harm. Now, now let that sink in for a minute. You can kill us, but you cannot do us any real harm. Now, that's a man who understood the glories that were waiting for him in heaven. These lovers of Jesus were indeed more than overcomers. Maurice Blanc, who died in 1557, said, Lord God, these men uh, take away my life full of misery, but you will give me life everlasting. These Christians were absolutely convinced that there was something far superior waiting for them afterwards as long as they were faithful to, in this life to Christ. We shall not end our lives in the fire. I'm sorry, we, yeah, yeah, we shall not end our lives in the fire, but, but make a change for the better. 
Now, these words are spoken by Julius Palmer, who was burned at the stake in 1556. See, ultimately, this life is not yours. Your life is not yours. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, it was bought with a price. Your life is owned by Christ. We, we try to cling to it. We try to milk it for all it's worth. But really, we can never keep what this physical life has to offer. You know, you've, you've heard the words of, of, of Jim Elliott, who was uh, killed in Ecuador with his friends in 1956 uh, by the Alka Indians. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You know, it's not that these people had a death wish. I mean, they, I think we can say with some confidence they didn't really want to die. Pastor Lai Dizon, uh, um, living in mainland China, said, humanly speaking, we know that no one likes to suffer physically. But I know that if the Lord leads me into it, he will give me the strength to survive it. I received this email, several emails, just this, this week. I'm going to read them to you. A local missionary was shot and killed this past Tuesday morning, just this past Tuesday morning, while working with his family in Cameroon, Africa. The victim uh, is uh, Mishawaka, Indiana native Charles Wesco, uh, an older brother to the state representative Timothy Wesco. Wesco and his wife Stephanie spent the last two years raising financial support and planning to move to Cameroon as missionaries. About two weeks ago, they made it to Cameroon with their eight children after selling their home and their possessions. Tuesday morning, Wesco was headed back from a shopping trip with another missionary and was gunned down while driving. The details remain unclear. Wesco's parents are concerned with getting his wife and children back to the U.S. Now, another follow-up email from that says, yes, we've been praying about the situation in Cameroon for a couple of years. Some of our people are from this region, and one lady uh, is is from the town where, where Charles was shot. It's a very violent Uh, uh, area where injustice reigns another email says at the moment uh, we need to pray that Mrs. Wesco and their children can get out the last news and this was Thursday morning the last news was she was still unable to get back to her children they may not even know of their father's death that is this past week See, Cameroon, though, isn't even the worst of the countries out there. An organization, Open Doors, publishes uh, what's, what's called the World Watch List. It compiles the world's worst offenders to religious liberty, and, and, and particularly against, against Christians. A specially designed questionnaire is used to compile this watch list. It, can, it, it, it has 49 questions that they use as, uh, you know, to, to cover various aspects of religious freedom. Uh, some of the questions are these. Does the Constitution and or the national laws provide for freedom of religion? Are individuals allowed to convert to Christianity under the law? Are Christians being killed because of their faith? Are Christians being sentenced to jail, labor camp, or sent to psychiatric hospitals because of their faith? Do Christians have the freedom to print and distribute Christian literature? Are Christian publications censored or prohibited in these countries? Are Christian meeting places and or Christian homes attacked because of anti-Christian motives? 
And the most recent survey gave the top 10 offenders, number one being North Korea, number two is Afghanistan, number three is Somalia, number four is Sudan, number five is Pakistan, and if you have been following the news, that pastor's wife was, was released um, uh, by the by the Supreme Court. There's been death threats on the Supreme Court members. The country is losing their mind because they have freed this pastor's wife. Number six is Atria. Number seven, Libya. Number eight, Iraq. Number nine is Yemen. And number 10 is Iran. Now, just two days ago, Seven Christians were killed and four, 14 wounded in, 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 in Egypt in an attack by the Muslims. What do we do about this? What can we do about these kinds of situations? Well, we, we, we pray for them. It might seem like a small thing. Pray. Really? Is that all? Is that all we can do is pray? You know, we, we think prayer is a last resort, but, but in, in reality, we, we really haven't done anything until we have prayed. See, prayer, prayer is not preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is not preparation for spiritual warfare. Prayer is spiritual warfare. Listen to Hebrews chapter 3, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 3. It says, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body that means that 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 we remember those that are imprisoned for christ's sake as if we were imprisoned and we remember those suffering as if it was us doing or 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 or, or having to go through the suffering colossians chapter 4 verse 18 paul writes remember my bonds the concept of us being connected in the family of God, it, it's impossible for us to get away from. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. In Romans chapter 12 verse 15, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. In 1 Corinthians 12 26, it says, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul wanted to be able to, to be a witness of God's love and compassion and salvation even while he was in prison. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 36, Jesus, uh, and I'm going to kind of summarize this, Jesus says, well, who, when I was in prison, you, you came and visited me. And a little later in verse 39, they, they answered, uh, when, did we, uh, when did we see you in prison? When did we visit you in prison? And he answers in verse 40, Verily, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now the only way in this day that the prisoners were fed that the prisoners were clothed, that they were cared for, was by family and friends that were brave enough 
to associate themselves uh, with them by going to the prison and bringing the things that they needed. So by a Christian visiting a Christian in jail, by a Christian bringing food to a Christian in jail, was to be associated with and recognized as a Christian, which would end up then uh, quite possibly them being put in jail with the person they're ministering to. It could cost you your life to love the brethren. On the, on the table back here, um, leaning up there, you're going to see a folder-like thing where you can, you can take that, you can write somebody that has been imprisoned for their faith. The Voice of the Martyrs will make sure that, that it gets to the right place. And uh, a few weeks ago, I heard on Janet Parshall's radio broadcast, not that I listen to a lot of radio because I don't drive around a lot, but... Um, but she said with, with, with these letters that, that faith, faith prisoners, kind of what, what we call them, who receive correspondences like this are often treated better than prisoners who don't receive the letters. And the reason is that the guards are wary of the influence that the prisoners might have because when they get the letters, they're perceived as an indication that the prisoners are known by many people worldwide. And, 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 and the guards want to be careful how they treat somebody that they think is very well known. It's strange, but that's the way it works. You write a letter to a prisoner uh, who, who, who refuses to renounce their faith in Christ, it could lead to them being treated a little bit better in prison. You can pray for people like Tiong Chang, a prisoner in a pastor, prisoner in Laos, uh, which is west of Vietnam. Uh, he had been the district governor until he was saved. After his conversion, he was arrested and convicted. Uh, he was convicted of preaching the gospel, of being a traitor to the nation. Uh, uh, so he's facing 15 years now in prison. But we don't always hear of it, but but prayer, prayer matters. Prayer works. It worked for Reverend Rinaldi Dominic uh, from, from Indonesia. He was arrested, in, uh, arrested on September 11th, 2002. He was charged with possession of homemade firearms that were allegedly confiscated when his vehicle was searched, but he was set up. He was a pawn in the conflict between the Christians and Muslims in Paso, uh, which has claimed over 2,000 lives at the time. Uh, he received uh, three years uh, no, 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 I'm sorry, the violence lasted three years, but on June 16, 2003, uh, this pastor uh, sentenced to three years imprisonment for the illegal possession of firearms that he didn't actually have, uh, but on November 4, 2004, uh, Rinaldi was released from prison. From the prayers of God's people, uh, the prisoner, in, while, while he was in prison, this prisoner, Rinaldi, received 26,000 letters from Christians around the world saying that they were praying for him, for the preservation of his life, for him to be released, and he was. So if you haven't noticed, this is real life. Okay, we are we are insulated. We are we are isolated. What we have in the United States is great, but it's not typical of of what happens to believers in other parts of the world. 
What is ordinary for so many is, 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 is a threat of hard times simply because they believe in Christ. And, and what's ironic is, is that the believers in persecuted countries have, they have a more vibrant faith than most of the Christians in the United States. It was C.S. Lewis who said, you never know how much you really believe anything until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. And since we've never been pushed to that limit, we usually don't rise to much of any occasion. So although we, we pray for them, we American Christians may actually be the ones that are lacking. Maybe we haven't uh, come to the conclusion yet that, that Jesus is everything. We've not been persecuted, but our brothers and sisters around the world are being right now persecuted. And what we blithely call persecution is not persecution. We are not persecuted until we have lost our jobs because we love our Savior, until our children are kicked out of their schools because they love their Savior, until we are forcibly removed from our homes simply because we love Jesus Christ, until we are arrested and imprisoned because we love our Savior, until we have been refused entrance into the grocery store because we carry the name of Christ, until we are attacked in the streets because we are Christians. Until then we really will not know persecution like our brothers and sisters around the world. Until then, it is our obligation, it is our responsibility, it is our privilege to pray for them. And what, do we, what in the world do we pray for them? How do we pray for them when we have no frame of reference for what they are going through, for what they face? In your bulletin, there's a guide. On the back of it, there are 10, ten things, 10 ways that you can pray. But, but we, we pray for them. We pray for them to be overcomers. We pray for them to stand fast in their faith. We, we pray for them to shine the love of Christ to the very people who are torturing them. We, we pray for them to persevere. We pray for them to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we pray for them like we would want to be prayed for were we imprisoned and them free. We pray that they not falter in their faith. And, and yes, we, we pray for their deliverance. We pray for their freedom. See, they're, uh, they're family. What would you not do for your family? What would you not sacrifice for your family? These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of them we will never meet in this life. But we're to love them. And we are to pray for them. So we love them by remembering them. We love them by praying for them. Now there are two things um, 
two things that Satan uses with, with God's people. One is affluence and uh, safety so that we get, for lack of a better phrase, fat and happy. It doesn't cost us anything to live for Christ. Um, no, no pain and suffering is involved. So we get apathetic and we get lazy and we forget. The other thing that Satan does is he pours out his hot hatred for God and his people on his people. So that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Us getting comfortable makes us ineffective for the cause of Christ. But around the world where Christians are having to live and die for their faith, the church is growing. Jesus is being lifted up. Well, we don't want to pray that persecution come upon us. We need to remember our brothers and sisters. And maybe instead of being complacent, we need to use this time of freedom while it lasts to spread the news of Jesus Christ as far as we can in case we lose this while we pray for our brothers and sisters. I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Let's take a few minutes just to pray for those brothers and sisters that are around the world that uh, because of their faith they have uh, they have been tortured they have been uh, economically devastated they've been separated from their families family members have seen other family killed in front of them because they love Jesus more than they love anything else in the world. So let's pray for them. Father, this morning we want to thank you. Thank you for a faith that is alive and vibrant. Thank you that the abundant life you give us is a life right now abundant and vibrant. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit, the way that he works in these believers that live in other countries that are facing horrible things. You have given them grace in their time of need. You have allowed them, Lord, to suffer for your name and remain faithful. And Father, we want to bring them to you. You know every single one. We don't know any of their names, but you know every one. And they are dear and precious to you. And Father, we pray that you would strengthen them. 
We pray, Lord, for their deliverance. We, we pray for their steadfastness. We pray that they would be able, through your power of the Holy Spirit, to love those that so desperately hate them. We pray, Lord, for the families that have had loss because of this that they would forever keep their eyes on, on Jesus, their Savior, as they walk through this storm. Father, strengthen them to be bright lights, savory salt. Help them, Father, to lift up Jesus, that those around them may be drawn to him. And Father, for us who have uh, taken our freedoms for granted, we've not had to suffer in the carrying of your name. Lord, I pray that you would work in us an urgency to take advantage of this time. Lord, help us to see it for what it is. Help us, Lord, to see it as the opportunity, the calm before the storm, maybe. That while we have right now unspeakable freedom, may we use that for your glory, for the preaching of the gospel, to be used by you to bring souls to Christ. Father, we, we are yours. Please use us as you see fit. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keith, would you come? We're going to uh, 261. Please remain standing.
All right, I want you to kind of be patient with us while we get the different tables set up. Uh, we'll holler as soon as the food is ready for you to go through the line back here. And you need back here in the Sunday school room or here in the sanctuary. All right, let me have your attention if I could. Let me give you some instructions here since it's going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit different. Uh, if you go out this door, don't go yet. Down the hallway, come in the other door. You'll be lined up right uh, for the food tables here. You can get your plates and then you can make your sandwiches. You can eat in the Sunday school room. You can eat in here. The trash cans, uh, when you're done, are right outside this door. Okay, uh, so the foods in the Sunday school room go out this door, down in the other door, 
come back in here or Sunday school, whichever you want to sit. Um, and that's really about all the instruction I need to give you. So I'm going to pray and let you guys make your way to eat. Okay? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this opportunity of fellowship. Lord, we thank you for your son, for his sacrifice, uh, for the grace to live for you. And we do want to thank you, Lord, for the food. We ask your blessing on it. Uh, we thank you for the hands that prepared it. And uh, we pray that you'll bless the fellowship to follow. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so out this door, down the hall, back in the other one, and get your food. You must have been in such deep prayer that you didn't hear it. Go down and around. It's a song. Go down and around. Don't be a clown. Charlie Brown.